McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts from Bosby. Bosby are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PO Forecast, episode 172, recording on the, on the 11th of January, 2023. I'm your host, Freddie Webb, and even though I feel very grim, I am hosting today's episode. Hugh is unfortunately not with us due to horrendous broadband issues. He's been dealing with engineers for eight hours, and they've not helped him whatsoever, so that's always a lovely start. And Andy is off somewhere. I think this week he's wandering around Hadrian's Wall. He wants to look at the architecture. But even though we haven't got the full complements of people here, we obviously wanted to get the January transfer special out and organised. So, of course, we have brought back friend of the show and Football League guru, Gabe Sutton. How's it going? Uh, hi, Freddie. Great to have you. Um, great to have you on the show. Great to be on the show. I'm so used to presenting. I've gone with you. Uh, yeah, great, great to be on the show and really looking forward to sort of talking through uh, talking through some business with you. Yeah, absolutely. Because obviously, this is a very tumultuous January already. Uh, we'll go over that first. <laughs> so, yeah. with the, obviously, with no Danny and Nicky Cowley after one one win in fourteen league games, they were mm. both dismissed in January. And it seems that Pompey are going to go with a proper director of football and manager model to start with. They brought or head in coach Ryan, model, even absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, they brought in Riley Towler from Bristol City for a minor fee, which could rise up to a low six figure sum, according to Bristol Live. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on that transfer first, Gabe. Riley Towler had a lot of experience at League, in League Two for Wimbledon this season. Young, played a lot of the Football League, high ceiling. Seems like the sort of player Pompey will ride to sign. Yeah, I think it's a great signing. I'm surprised Bristol City were happy to let him go permanently. He's uh, obviously played some championship football for them. He can play in a multitude, multiple positions down that left side, as well as uh, at centre-back, which is probably the primary position that he's been signed for, because uh, when he went from to Wimbledon, first of all, Wimbledon in the first uh, couple of months of the season, they'd been playing a sort of back three wing-back uh, system, which wasn't quite working for them. And then as soon as um, Riley Towler came in and they switched to a back four, instantly more solid and they started to get some some results and are in the playoff conversation where they probably haven't been uh, earlier in the season. So I think that shows the impact that Riley Towler can have on a team. So hopefully he can have a similar impact at Portsmouth. But yeah, fantastic signing, very aggressive defender. And although he'd be, you know, I think he's capable of playing in a back four or a back three and possibly in a one, two other positions down the left side. So very good addition, high potential player, and hopefully he can make an impact this season as well. Yeah, absolutely. Centre-half is probably one of the areas Pompey have been weakest at this season, in my opinion. Um, mm. It would be great to have a proper ball player coming in, and it definitely seems like we have. I'll remind people of like the transfer philosophy of this club. 
which they keep on saying they're doing. They don't always stick to it, but they always say they want to go after young players who could effectively step into the side right now, not necessarily as as automatic first team, but if if they were thrown in, they'd be completely comfortable at League Two level with potential resale value and ability to grow as well. We thought we had our list together, but then we got some news in the past hour that, uh, first of all, two loans are changing. Josh Griffiths was recalled by West Bromwich Albion after, I would say, overall an average spell at Pompey. Had some games. He was maligned for a lot of things. I think overall for me, in the metrics, his distribution accuracy rise was very good in terms of long range of passing. But to get there, it was quite slow. It slowed down the play an awful lot, especially with older centre halves next to him. And and after Gavin Bazzini last season, by the way. Mm. Like that was a little you know, I think either you know, he, he could have been it could have been seen as good distribution somewhere else. But I think if you're following Gavin Bazzini, who I don't know if we're allowed to mention his name now given where he's gone, but um yeah, I, I tough fact probably. Yeah, exactly. It was always going to be. I, I thought he played it okay for some games, made a lot of mistakes otherwise. Ended up somewhere in the middle. I don't think his, his uh, save percentage metrics, they left a lot to be desired looking at them, especially with the prevented goals ratio. So he was recalled and also Pompey also decided to cut the loan short for Huddersfield winger Josh Caroma. Had a very good start, scored two goals in the league in the first two games and then dropped off a cliff completely. More of an inside forward. Didn't like to cross a lot. Liked to drift into the centre of the pitch, mm. which didn't really fit a lot of the time and it basically led to other players stretching uh, quickly what did you think of Coroma's time at Portsmouth and did you think it would go better than it has done well it's so interesting actually because I was speaking to a Huddersfield fan for my own show called uh, EFL Debate earlier and uh, one of the things he was saying was that in the first three months of the 2021 season Josh Karoma was really one of the top performers in the championship he had a great relationship with a left back called Harry Toffler who Danny Cowley actually brought to Huddersfield from from Lincoln City and they had a great understanding and then around October I think it was that season uh, Josh Karoma got um, a really bad injury and he wasn't quite the same player since then and even tried to sort of step down the league which was understandable to try and sort of um yeah, re kickstart uh, his career, but it hasn't quite worked for him. So I think this could be a tricky period for Josh Karoma after a stage where he was maybe hoping to really kick on in his career and uh, and have a great uh, spell. But that's life, that's football. But I suppose I'm just kind of throwing it back to you a little bit, Freddie. Um, we're obviously going to talk about some of the uh, potential incomings for Portsmouth this January. So I'm, I suppose I'm wondering, you know, what are the things that need fixing for Portsmouth and why were you, have you been having gone from a position in August and September and it possibly parts of October when fans were so optimistic that you'd at least finish in the, the playoffs, if not challenged for the automatics, things have fallen apart. I'd like to understand, you know, without going into too much detail, because that would probably take another whole podcast, but just the key things, why they've fallen down and what do you need from January to rectify those issues? Oh, a myriad of things. Uh, to keep it brief, injuries haven't helped. So it basically led to a, a chop and changing of a lot of position, a lot of formations and tactical style, which is obviously never ideal. With the injuries, the confidence went. Movement off the ball was a big thing for me. I always bang on about that. Whenever Portsmouth sides play well, their movement off the ball is really quick. Players always know where they're going. They always anticipate the pass. When it goes wrong and that movement off the ball isn't there, the player's very slow. 
especially when switching from defence to midfield. Transitional play has been a massive problem and it's led to Pompey going a bit more direct recently in the last two months or so than they have been. It's all been a complete switch of a style of play. So really, what we're looking for in January is effectively players with that almost have a clean slate in terms of confidence, I suppose, but also set up to pretty much jump into the starting eleven now, but also have a a potential seed that you're seeing to grow, really. I think those are the main things. Yeah, it's and, such an interesting one, actually, Freddie, because he took, because, and I think that there's possibly a little bit from afar, I think there's a little bit of uncertainty for Portsmouth Football Club about what our vision and identity is and how we want to move forward. Because on the one hand, some of the noises from Portsmouth are, this is a developmental model. We want to invest in facilities. We want to invest in high potential players. We want to build something over a number of seasons. And I'm led to believe it's something around the 11th budget rank. And yet, on the other hand, I think that there's um, certainly a hope from the board, possibly even more so an expectation from supporters who have obviously seen better times for the club. To You, you can't be Portsmouth manager and say we're happy with 11th because it's a building season because that's just not going to fly and nor should it. But it does kind of lend you the question of how much can we afford to put aside for the developmental aspect and give players the space they need to grow and how much is there a no We've got to be in the top six and challenging uh, right here, right now. And I think it's the dilemma that Portsmouth Football Club seems to be facing at the moment. It's definitely a lot of, uh, let's ha- you could have cake and eat it as well. It's it's both really, because um, Andy Cullen said multiple times that the aim for this season is the playoffs at minimum, which is why Danny Cowley was effectively sacked after that one win in 14 league games, because mm. the form dropped off and that Charlton 3-1 defeat was like the denier. But then... The Nadir. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. What you said. Sorry. My throat today. But <laughs> there's also the, um, the budget problem's always going to be there. And that argument is always going to be there from the fan base when you're looking at Ipswich and Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday all going into the transfer window aggressively already for, 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 from January. I wouldn't go as, uh, we're hearing things about what level the budget might be. It was said on Sky Sports that it was 12 and Andy Cullen came out and said that was nonsense. It's a competitive budget in inverted commas with many things. It probably lies in the middle. It's probably around six or eight for that's not based on any knowledge that I have, but it's just a rough estimate, just looking at the players and then comparing them to other squads. It, it, it is the dilemma that they keep saying that's the transfer philosophy that they want to do. They want to bring in young players who are first team ready, who will grow and get better, who can maybe also be sold on afterwards. Mm. But there's also expectations of playoffs minimum because this is yeah. the record sixth season in the third division going on to potentially a seventh season next season. So yeah, always those expectations and always that juggling between expectations but hey it's Portsmouth Football Club it's never easy is it it's never easy of course yeah. so let's go to goalkeeper because we didn't expect to go over keepers because mm. of Josh Griffiths left my knowledge of keepers is pretty poor to be honest and well can I can I give you one to uh, start yes, 10 in. then Freddie Arthur Conquo I think he's having a fantastic season at Crew Alexandra he's kept 10 clean sheets this season his distribution is fantastic both short and long range he's got lots of flair he's got a penchant for the acrobatics he's very quick to sort of try and command his area got a lot of sort of yeah a bit of flair a bit of a sort of samba feel I suppose in the way he goes about his distribution I think that going for him on lane for about, I think he's going to be Arsenal's number one one day. 
I don't know how far in the future that's going to be, but that's my prediction. I think he'll play for Arsenal one day. I think Crow Alexandra aren't at his level as a goalkeeper because they're struggling in the bottom half of League Two. I think that Arsenal will want to accelerate things. It's they might um, give him a top end League One, a League Two move, um, depending on who else in League Two needs a goalkeeper. But I think, for Portsmouth's point of view, I'd be inclined to take a chance on Arthur Conquo. So he'd be my number one pick. I, I he's a goalkeeper I rate very highly, and um, yeah, I'd be keen on that one. Yeah, it definitely seems like Pompey have been prioritising distribution with their goalkeepers ever since. One name who I'm going to bring up and. It's mainly because of sentimentality on my part, more than anything, to be honest. Uh, big save Craig, Craig McGilvery. I know Charlton don't want him. They've basically been trying to get rid of him for ages. He's the sub-keeper. If Pompey uh, want to go for a familiar name and who are quite desperate, but they want to maybe sacrifice the distribution a bit, they could go for a, a goalkeeper they know who could command his area well and is good with saving metri- metrics. But it seems like Arthur Conquo might be a more sensible scenario if they want to go through the loan market. What do you think of Craig? Do you think it's a bit weird going after another team's subkeeper? What's your opinion? I think you've got to try and move forward and look at... Uh, I think if you go too too far in terms of goalkeepers who have been great in the past, I think that you, your, your instinct on sort of sentimentality and the dangers of getting sort of trapped too much in that, I think I think that's sensible. So for me, I would possibly look, do you know, I think you can get some really good deals in the loan market, Freddie, because a lot of the time uh, people, what clubs want experience as goalkeepers because they think they're not going to run around as much as outfield players, so we might as well go for a sort of someone in their third and that means that what you often find is that really good goalkeepers who could be able to play, you know, first, could be good enough to play first team at a higher level, possibly get overlooked in favour of experience. And based on that, there you can get some really good goalkeepers in the loan market. So I'm going to stick to what I've said, which is Arthur Conquer. I think that would be that would be my choice. Uh, there's also Sol Brin at uh, Swindon on loan from Middlesbrough, but um, Aconco would be my number one. I'm going to stick to that. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably fairly sensible that, given Josh Griffiths was a lone slot, that Pompey would probably look to fill that again with a diff- mm-hmm. with a different name. They really look like to max out their loan slots with players who are first team fit and first team ready. So Pompey fans, keep an eye on Arthur Conquo. Um, again, I don't have many names for other keepers, so I'm definitely going with Gabe's suggestion on this one. Right side of centre half, right, right footed primarily. That's what I looked at. I looked at mm. players who had played at least 750 minutes of football this season already to have a bit of a base. Pompey really looking for right side of centre half that can play either in a back four or a back three because Pompey switched between the two an awful lot that really is fairly comfortable on the ball, short passing wise. What's your first suggestion, Gabe, if you had to choose one? Uh, So I, one I'm, I really love is Terence Van Kooten. Now he's actually been playing in the middle of a back three this season for Stevenage, either side of Dan Sweeney and Carl Pirjani. But that's kind of with the role of sometimes carrying it into midfield. And I think he has played right back at times in his career. So I think that he's more than capable of playing right-sided centre-back as well. I think he's got the agility and mobility that you need for that sort of role. His ball playing is excellent. And I saw Stevenage's uh, FA Cup win at Villa Park on Sunday. And Terence Van Kooten was absolutely outstanding. His reading of the game is absolutely first-class. 
Um, so I would look at Terence Van Keaton. Now, obviously, the sticking plaster with this is that Stevenage are in a great position to win promotion this season. I'm not aware that Van Keaton's out of contract, so I it would be difficult to get to persuade the, uh, Stevenage to sell this stage of the window, possibly in the summer. But as a short-term option, I don't know if, if you'd be able to get him in. The other options that I've got are Matty Platt at Bradford, Luke Offord, who's another one at Crew Alexandra, and possibly Jamie McCart from Rotherham because he's not been playing so much for them. Uh, so those would be my four, Platt, Van Kooten, Offord and McCart. I think with January, there's always that sticking plaster that you mentioned of, is it realistic that the club are going to push and sell mid-season? I think that's what the board at Portsmouth have always said, that it's always harder making moves in January because it, because simply teams have got their squads locked in. They, they'd they rather not make those changes. They'd rather not sell or, unless they get an offer that's too good to refuse. Mm. So it's always going to be harder. Probably have had mixed Januaries, I would say. But I think given the scenario, and I think given the fact that the board have made that managerial change, I can see them being more aggressive this January than perhaps the previous ones. I think if they wanted to stay the course, if they fully trusted the side, I don't think they would have made the managerial change. And I certainly don't think they would have culled Josh Caroma's loan move today and allowed Josh Caroma to be recalled either. So a lot of change has definitely led to many things. Um, Hugh has provided me with a list of players he likes the way that Hugh works is he, he has contacts at several clubs and he's also, he, he's had well, sources that he's chatted to for players who are potentially available on loan. A mix here. One of them is Zach Johnson from Sunderland, a very high rated defender with the under 23s and has played the Lord before and has got a very high potential ceiling. He's made the bench for Sunderland re- recently and, could, and he could be an option that Pompey to look at. Pompey have two loan slots left so I'm working on because really I think you can only have five lone players in, in the side from memory so really that that's the level that Pompey always look at they don't like to go over that another set of half to look at is Charlie Hughes he likes from Wigan Athletic 19 years yeah. old local to the area and his, his dad used to play for Preston North End he's apparently a top class player who can play with either foot as six foot two and still growing he has two starts in the championship this season has come off the bench in cup games He's a real he's a real prospect, and Hughes contacts with Wigan says Hughes needs to play regularly. What do you think of those? That, I've heard some really good. Um, I've not heard loads about Zach Johnson, so probably need to do a bit more due diligence on him. But I know Charlie, lots of Wigan fans have said really good things about Charlie Hughes. So I mean, they they probably need a bit of cover at the back just at the moment, I would imagine. So I don't know what their position is in terms of their willingness to lay him out to League One. But I think if they are open to doing a deal, then that's certainly think, that's something I think Portsmouth should look at. Yeah, absolutely. It's also it's harder. I think it's hard really for teams that are battling back in negotiation in the championship especially it's going to be do, do they really want to get rid of any prospect any backup players when mm. if, they're, if they're starting players up playing well they're, they're looking for yeah. any sort of options to give them an edge aren't they mm. so I think that's yeah, something it's, to it's, consider yeah definitely yeah that makes sense another player on Hughes' list is Omar Rekic from Arsenal 21 years old born in the Netherlands currently alone at Sparta Rotterdam but he's barely getting any games Apparently, his recall option is likely. He's got a contract all the way up for 2025 at Arsenal. And he's right-footed and can play on both sides of a centre-half. There's also Bashir Humphreys from Chelsea. These are all like potential loan players who can play across the back three, but usually plays in the middle or a left side. 
and he but he can play either side of the house on back four. And he came off the bench in the uh Cup against Man City, but again, like many other kids at larger clubs, he needs game time. And Pops of centre half's situation I think is quite wide open. Robertson, there are rumours about Derby County with a, a reunion with Paul Warren. I'm not sure how of course, true that, yeah. I'm not sure how true that is. But obviously with transfer rumours, you might have to consider them whenever you're looking at players. Have you heard of either of those two names? No, no, those are new names on me. But um obviously be um I suppose that you, you important to remember that you're looking for a right side defender rather than more than someone to play in the middle or on the left. So I suppose that would um was it Omar Reckett? She plays on the left or the other lad who uh, it was the other lad who maybe plays on the left. Omar Reckett can play on both sides, I believe. Yeah. Uh, um the Chelsea lad, yeah. So yeah, so I, I would look for someone who can play on the uh, on the on the right hand side. But you, you might be able to get some uh, some good ball players on loan as well who are quick. You know, they they tend to have those sort of qualities and you'd probably want the more experienced type like a, a Michael Morrison or a Sean Raggett in the middle. So um that certainly makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, a couple of names that I picked out for right side of centre half, I, I think you'll be familiar with two of them, but not so familiar with the other one. The obscure one, Jack Fitzwater from Livingston. I've always really liked him. Solid defender, capable of playing against sides that are a lot stronger than his, play against Celtic and Rangers regularly, can play on the mm-hmm. right side of a three or the right side of just a normal back four. Jules wise, he's very, aggr- very aggressive, very physical likes his aerial duels. His passing is reasonable, but not as good as a few of the other centre-halves. It's interesting, actually, because I remember watching Jack Fitzwater play. I've not followed him so much uh, in Scotland, um, but... uh, I know that uh, I felt like when he was at Warsaw, he actually was quite good on the ball, but he was more of a sort of reading the game type of defender. And he played alongside a very aggressive defender called uh, John Guthrie. And it was like he would go for the big sort of jewels and Fitzwater would kind of mop up. But maybe over the last few years, he's kind of bulked up a little bit. But I think he might be decent on the ball from from memory. So uh, so that'd be, that'd be one to, to look at, depending on how he's been getting on in, in Scotland. Mm-hmm. He's fairly highly rated up there, uh, fairly reasonably. And with, with, with sides like Livingston playing against other teams like Celtic Rangers, even like Hibs and Hearts in some cases, their defensive line's always going to have to be aggressive to win the ball back and get on those counter-attacks quite quickly. So there, so there is a sum. Two League Two centre-halves, you'll know these names probably quite well. Could you give your opinion on Fraser Horsfall and Declan Drysdale of Stockport County and Newport County, respectively? Yeah, I'm not quite sure about Declan Drysdale, whether it be at the level that um, that Portsmouth need for sort of consistency in League One. So I'd, I'd probably park that one for now. Fraser Horsfall, I think, would probably be more one to play in the middle of a back three rather than on the uh, on the right. So um, I think he's good at sort of the basics and the meat and potato stuff, but I don't think he's hugely quick and I don't think he's a great ball player, certainly not to the level that Portsmouth are, are aspiring to. So um, neither of those would be on my list. All right. Well, it, it seemed to be a solid defender of Stockwell County at a back and probably would only fit Portsmouth in a back four then. Do you think he was on the right side? Or do you think Pompey should just look for somebody who's more mobile, more comfortable mm. in the ball, do you think? Yeah, just just wouldn't wouldn't really be my first choice, to be honest. Yeah, I, th- I think there's going to be better options out there. That's just my opinion. We're going to move on to the wing. Either wing works, because Pompey had been looking for a left winger for ages. Now with Josh Caroma gone, Ronan Curtis is the only left winger, and this is probably his worst season of Portsmouth shirt, unfortunately. 
And on the right wing, there are... It's a real shame with Ronan Curtis, isn't it, Freddie? Because, like, a few seasons ago, and even for large patches of the 1920 season, Ronan Curtis was one of the best players in the division. And, um, yeah, his form's just massively dropped off over the last two or three seasons. Yeah, it is a big shame. Um, I think a lot of that is down to confidence as well, to be honest. I think he's, even though you wouldn't like to admit it, he's a massive confidence player. He seems to connect well with the fullback every time, which is something decent. But nowadays, he just... I don't know what it is. It's not the same composure. I think. I think he's he wants to do well so badly that he snatches his shots a lot. Always mm-hmm. goes for a riskier pass than he should normally. But if you just look at his production numbers this season compared to the last few, he's tailed off unfortunately, and that's a shame because I really like him. He loves the club as well, so I really don't like saying that he's played poorly over and over again. But he definitely has, unfortunately. Could do with a change of scene. Sometimes you need that as well, don't you? So. And then there's rumours of Owen Dale. There are rumours that he could potentially be sold to Sheffield Wednesday. And obviously that's one of Bobby's main creative threats on the right side, completely out. So me and Gabe have looked at Wiggers on both sides. Uh, Gabe, start us off. What, uh, yeah, what are the names I mean, that stand up for you? It's funny, actually, because when I was looking at possible names, um, there are a few positions where I struggled for lots of options like the goalkeeper position and strike position. But then actually for the wide forwards and wingers, came with came up with quite a few Jizer and Rapsaki is would be my first choice if that's possible I would say that there's an outside chance he's obviously on Lola at the moment I would say there's an outside chance that uh, he gets recalled by Crystal Palace and maybe sent out on loan to a team that's got slightly more in terms of you know prospects of getting into the playoffs or, or challenging higher up the league which I probably would still put Portsmouth just about in that category, although it is hanging by a thread a little bit. But I really like Rapsaki and I think at his best with the right coaching. I think he's one of the top players in the division. Also a huge fan of Elliot Anderson as well, if Newcastle are open to possibly loaning him out now they're out of the FA Cup. Um, that could be an option. So those will be yeah, my sort of starters for 10. Yeah, that, those are two reasonable suggestions. I really like Rapsaki as well. Um, Joff Taylor, friend of the show, mentioned it at the beginning of the summer, that he really wanted Ratsaki on loan. It's very weird with uh, the reasons why these players might be recalled, because sometimes, why would you break something that wor- that works? If you think Ratsaki's going to produce for Charlton, which he definitely has, If you're from Crystal Palace's point of view, you might just leave him, because he might have a... But, but then, do, do you want... Um, Charlton aren't going to win promotion or go down, so do you want the, the player to experience a bit more... In- terms of the high stakes now I suppose it's funny saying this because Portsmouth might might easily at some point get into that same category of just being in mm-hmm. mid-table but I think there's possibly a bit more of a window for Portsmouth to push on for the playoffs but uh, sometimes there can be an appeal to players just experiencing those high stakes mm-hmm. absolutely because well, for a pair of club points of view you want your you want your young players to have as much experience as possible before they're ready for the first team mm-hmm. so yeah I think they may consider that, and I think most Pompey fans would be very happy with Raksaki coming in because he's an explosive winger and very creative, so, which is what mm. Pompey have been. And he can go either way as well, Freddie. Like, he can beat a full-back one-on-one, he can cut inside onto his left peg, he's got so much quality, he can curl a shot, he can create. Like, he's, he's got the package, so really exciting, really exciting prospect. Uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on him for the uh, the rest of the time. Uh, a couple of wingers that Hugh has brought up. We mentioned him in the summer, and this is largely down to a lack of game time, perhaps. Hugh is hearing noises about Anthony Scully at Wigan. 
Now, I know that you mentioned Gabe in the summer, that he were unsure about how he would fit in Portsmouth's team on that left side. He's had the yeah, he's had the ability to create and score before at Lincoln, obviously, but he's only played half an hour of football for Wigan this season, and it seems that they're not particularly impressed. So for Pompey potentially looking for a, for a, a player who's readily available, who is league one standard, who could potentially jump straight in, and potentially having a slightly higher ceiling, twenty three. What, what do you think? Yeah, of, of I, I, I think that, I think what what you've got to be careful of, though, Freddie, is that if you're or taking a player off a team that's struggling in the championship, you've got to be a little bit wary of, well, if they're, if a championship club that's battling relegation is happy to let this player go, whether it's on loan or permanently, how much value are they going to have in League One? Are they going to be the type of player that we need to transform our season from faltering uh, off course to back on course and back in the mix for the playoffs? Are they going to be able to? Because that's, for me, I think that's what Portsmouth have got to have. Portsmouth have got to look at this window. It's either go big or go home. I think that you want players that are going to make an impact in terms of really transforming Portsmouth's fortunes and you know if that, those players aren't available then then that's one thing but I think you don't want to go into next season with a group of players that aren't quite good can't quite up to the level so that would be one thing that I'd sort of be mind be mindful of mm-hmm. and that level is at the top of league one's getting higher and higher now every single season the more mm-hmm. the championship clubs are going down more finances are going into the league over time so naturally a lot of clubs are having better squads. I think I could tell that from the 2018-19 season, the top teams in that in the, at that time. Compare that to now. Some of the clubs are putting in serious money to try and get out of this mm. division. So it's, it's going to be a top, it's a tough step for Portsmouth the longer they stay there. A couple more names on Hugh's list. Nathan Butler, Oyadeji. Arsenal, 20 years old, can play at any position in the three behind the striker. So left wing, right wing and down the middle. Poppy sometimes need that versatility and they also need a lot of pace as well. Uh, Arsenal quite like him. He's been training with the senior side a lot and has been travelling to games as well. He was on the bench against Oxford City in the FA Cup as well. Hughes link with Arsenal there. Really likes him. So that might be an option. Another one, Tony Springlet, 20 years old, left midfielder from Norwich. Hardworking left-sided winger with some swagger. It definitely sounds like what Poppy would need. Poppy have had this problem sometimes with inside forwards, I think. Realistically, Bishop has got a lot of his goals from crossing. So it makes mm. it sometimes makes sense that a player like Owen Dale on his right side might be a bit more creative and would help Bishop a bit more than say Ronan Curtis on his wrong foot on the left hand side, for his example. So maybe that could be something for Pompey to look after as well. Another player that Hugh mentioned, uh, Tyler Burry from Millwall. Oh, yeah, I like him. Yeah. 20 to 22, again, can play on the left wing or the right wing. And he, uh, he's very direct as well. I mean, when he was at Hartlepool, he played the second striker and he was very sort of explosive, but he can play, I think, pretty much any forward position as opposed to out and out striker. And yeah, I, I think he had um, one of the reasons why he was recalled from Hartlepool last season by Millwall was because of uh, a long-term injury uh, and whether that sort of hindered the sort of explosivity that he's been able to offer. But if you can get that sort of thing back then I think he's capable of uh, maybe surprising a few people but um, I think he's one that you'd you'd, you'd want to uh, see if he's got that side of his game still in it uh, because obviously it's been a tough time for him with uh, with injuries. Yeah absolutely apparently he's only made eight starts for Millwall this season with limited game time there's always that hope maybe for more so 
yeah, that's that definitely might be sold for Portsmouth to go after. A couple more names on Hughes' list before I go on to mine. Dion Rankin at Chelsea, 20-year-old explosive winger, can play on either side again. That, that, I think those are the main things. I think with Pompey's injury record, I think this is the second season of Pompey's injury record being particularly poor. There's a mindfulness in Hughes', Hughes selections for a bit of versatility, can play multiple positions, and Pompey have lacked pace. I think that was one of the things in the Spurs game when Pompey defended really valiantly for a lot of it and playing the midfield was really good. But then there was nothing, no spark, nothing at the end in the final third, yeah. maybe bringing in a pacey winger. Got to go to Scotland again. I'm not going to go to Scotland a lot of times. Only a few names popped out of me. One of them was Josh Ginnelly at Hearts. 25 years old, five foot six, can play again, quite versatile, can play either wing and up front. Three goals and 1.93 expected goals from 15 games in the SPL and two assists with 2.07 expected assists. I'm thinking of genuinely as more of a player that can play on the two sides of the front of a 3-4-3 or quite high up on a wing because I think the big yeah. thing for him is I wouldn't go as far as say his crossing is very good. The big thing for him is his dribbling. His dribbling stats mm. in the SPL have been quite ridiculous with 6.38 dribbles per 90 with 70% accuracy. The accuracy is near the top of the SPL and he's 10th for the number of dribbles. For a side that might look to go and play a bit more on the counter-attack, keep things a bit simple to try and get some results because it's hard for Poppy to build a philosophy when they try try and push with a play-out from the back system, which they have been doing at the beginning of the season, but if they keep losing, they might want to try and keep things a bit more simple. Mm. And a player like Josh Jiddley might uh, might help things out. I believe he's got another year left afterwards. He's not a guaranteed starter for Hearts either, so he's sort of in the team a bit, out the team a bit. So that might make things a bit easier in January. Have you heard of Josh Jiddley before? Yeah, I um so, so he was another one, a bit like Jack Fitzwater, who I uh, saw a, f- a few seasons ago. And uh, back then, I saw him as very much a sort of a kind of a classic winger, really, take people on and get to the byline and put crosses in. Whether his role has changed um, since moving to Scotland, um, I'm not entirely sure, but that's definitely my perception of him. And you're right, he can play on either side, but possibly more of a classic winger from what I've seen than than an inside forward. And I think a classic winger might be better for Portsmouth, depending on where they're getting their goals from. Mm. Colby Bishop is getting a lot of his goals from his head, a lot of goals from that are just dropped in the penalty area. So if we're just looking at it purely from how can we get the best out of one of our bigger players, who we spent a lot of money in in the summer, who is still playing well, all things considering, Josh Ginley uh, might be a choice to go after. Another name that's been on my mind and was on a lot of minds of Pompey fans in the summer, plays for Cambridge United, Shalou Tracy, 24 years old, 5'8", right-footed, plays on the left. So that's one concern of mine, going for an inside forward. Seems to be quite creative in, in some scenarios. I really liked him from from what I've seen. Quite a creative player as well. One goal, one one goal from one XG in his twenty three matches. Matches three assists from four point two two expected assists as well. Quite a dribbler from what I found. Potentially not as much of a crosser, which might be something mm. to more of an attacker rather than a creator. I was wondering what you well, well, yeah. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he was initially a striker when he came through. I think he might have even scored a hat-trick in an AFL trophy game. Uh, But then I think if you don't play, he's not really a back-to-goal striker, which sometimes you need. And uh, if you don't play two up top, then 
sometimes uh, he's kind of had to sort of reinvent himself a little bit. And I saw him actually play for Cambridge at Cheltenham earlier in the season and he actually had a really quiet game apart from one moment where he literally flew down the left flank and then teed it up and I think someone passed it to Adam May who who sort of drove it in but yeah so he's uh, he's definitely capable of having a sort of quietish game but then just having an electric moment I guess for Portsmouth if that is a sort of recurring theme for Shiloh Tracy the question for Portsmouth is whether you'd want a slightly more consistent level of contribution. I don't know if I've seen enough as someone who covers League One, enough evidence to suggest that Shiloh Tracy can offer that. So, you know, he might be a decent option off the bench, but I'm not sure he'd be an option that I would go crazy or or I would think, you know, this guy can really change Portsmouth's fortunes this season. So, again, I think there's probably better options out there myself. Mm, I think that's... That's the thing for Portsmouth, isn't it? There are a lot of names around and probably really need to look for rather consistent contributors, especially in the creative markets, because I think a lot of the time this season, that's where Pompey have faltered quite a bit. I'm, mm. I'm mostly purely looking at the numbers, looking at them and thinking, oh, the, these stand out, these might be all right. And frankly, you're here to provide lots of context for me, which is brilliant. What do you think of Paul Smythe from Leighton Orient? Oh, I like Paul Smythe. Yeah, he's a real bundle of, uh, bundle of energy. He's just never stops running. Great sort of spirit about him as well, which I think is always important for sort of culture setting and all the dressing room stuff. I think, um, a little bit to what I mentioned with, uh, Terence Van Kooten at Stevenage. I think it's very difficult to sign a player mid season when the, the team in question is, is, is in the mix for promotion. And in Orient's case, they're sort of runaway leaders. And I, even though, you know, Orient would still be strong favourites to get promoted and win League Two if Paul Smythe left, I, I also think that there's something about being there at the end of the season to lift the trophy that creates some form of closure. And I, I always just think leaving before that moment or before securing promotion just there's something about that that just doesn't quite feel right now obviously you weigh that against the fact that Portsmouth could offer much better financial incentives to Paul Smythe than than anything Orient can offer and I get that and if that's a big part of his thinking and then then I understand that but I also think that there's a possibility that it might be difficult to get him in January as opposed to in the summer when uh, he might be more open to sort of new opportunities. So, um, but in terms of do I rate Paul Smith as a signing and would it be a great addition if you could get him? Yes, I do, definitely. I think it's entirely down to the player at that point, isn't it? Whether they would want, even if they're high flying, would they want to even risk moving the family? changing a good thing isn't it I think it's always going to be down to Mm. individual case by case basis I always don't like I don't like to rule it out because some players might do but it's definitely a consideration from what I heard on social media a one name that's come up a lot with Bombay fans and that's why I'm going to bring him up and he always seems to play well against Portsmouth so this might be the case Corey Blackett Taylor yeah, Corey Blackett-Taylor is such an interesting one, Freddie, because he's sort of been in uh, in the AFL on various sort of loan deals, uh, I guess, for a few seasons now, whether he went to Charlton permanently, possibly, uh, or whether it's on loan from Villa or not. And I certainly, I, I wouldn't imagine he's in Villa's long-term plans uh, if he is still contracted to them. But yeah, he was at, uh, at Barnsley a few years back in, no, Warsaw, sorry, again. And he made his debut against Barnsley. And uh, there was just this electric winger that was just sort of so strong, incredibly quick, like serious 
scoring pace, you know, he'd be one of the quickest players in, in the league, certainly if you got him. And I think, yeah, last season for Charlton, he was possibly one of the standouts. He's had to, I think because classic wingers are going a little bit out of fashion, he's had to reinvent himself a bit as a, a wing back. And sometimes he's played left wing back despite being right footed. So you've got some versatility there. Um, I think he could play in a multitude of positions. And I think that would allow you to change formation at times as well as add that injection of raw pace, which this squad has, has maybe missed in parts this season. But I think that there's also that thought that if Portsmouth are going to try and grow to become a stable championship club, does Corey Blackett-Taylor have the productivity, have the quality to get to that long-term level? I think there's possibly a question mark over that. But do I think he could come in and, and make an impact with that searing pace and as well as the versatility? Then yes, I think I do. I think Black Blackett-Taylor has just been such a name that's been on Pompey fans' minds for a while with his performances. And I think in terms of a pure fit for what we would need, explosive, creative leg winger. I think a lot of Bobby fans would be very, very, very happy to see him bring in. And mm. I think looking at the long-term point of view of, is this player good enough for, to potentially move this team up to the championship? With, with players like Blackett-Taylor, I'm not so sure. But then again, I'm looking at other players in the squad. I'm thinking, oh, I'm not so sure. It's, yeah. a, it's a real, it's a real tough thing for Portsmouth because but, again, but it's such a, you know. it's such a doubt. And we'll go on to a slightly wider point if we, if we can, just for a couple of minutes, because it's such a dilemma for Portsmouth because you are in this position where you don't feel like you've got. Yes, we've got a core of players we can really build around over the next few years, and we've got it all together. So. In one sense, it's like we don't want to waste the season and write it off because it's only January and we're only so many points off the playoffs. And uh, and I totally get that point of view. But I also think even if Portsmouth were able to find a bit of form and by some you know um, surprise get promoted, I'm not sure that you're in a place where you'd sort of stay up or or really build something in the championship. So is it a case of actually step, taking a step back at the club and thinking we've got to, to try and generate some value into this squad first before we can sort of try and move move forward up the pyramid? Because I don't know if we've got what it takes to be, to sort of stay up in the championship or be a stable championship club, or we don't think we're close to that right now. So I, I, I feel a little bit torn about this, and, uh, and uh, I think that kind of feeds into the recruitment um, decisions. Yeah, I think there's a lot of question marks over what the recruitment position might be, even completely beyond the fact that we don't have a manager at the moment. I think I think, I think that's another point as well, because Pompey have sort of had the transitional season last season. Therefore, okay, that might be the transitional season where promotion isn't the complete aim, but then that's gone completely down the water completely because of the the poor run of form. It's very strange, and it's a frustration of many fans that the direction isn't as clear as we thought it would have been, which has been ra- a rather frustrating thing. But hey, we'll keep going. I'm going to mention one name purely because I have to. I think it's an unrealistic signing for Portsmouth because I think every single championship club would want him. AFC Wimbledon's a Ubersal. You can play on, I've seen mm-hmm. play on both sides and up front. An excellent player, w- w- as we all know, highly rated, highly rated youngster. Do Poppy even have a small, slim chance of potentially going after a Ubersal, either in January or in the summer? Or do you think they'll just get obliterated by I, the well, well, what I would say is that I don't know if Iber Sal is at a stage right here, right now, where he can make a real impact in the championship. Because I think 
he was a bit hot and cold in sort of League One last season. Probably his better season in League One was actually a half season the year before. Last season was a tricky one because of lots of sort of structural issues that Wimbledon had. This season, since the change of formation, which I mentioned earlier with sort of Riley Towler, you know, Iowa South come into form, but it's still in League Two. And I think to jump up to the championship, I think it would be a great, he'd be a great long-term investment for a championship club, but I don't know if he'd make a real impact for for anyone at that level this season or possibly even next. So one option, so there could be a possibility for Ibisal to say, I'm going to go to a League One side where I've got an opportunity to sort of make a bit more of a steady, steady growth rather than demand too much of myself too quickly. I think that would be one way of, of looking at it. And in that case, Portsmouth would kind of come into um come into his thinking. But I think he's hugely uh, promising because he's Got enough pace to really get in behind, but he's also got the intelligence to drop in and link the play. And uh, I think that makes him a really exciting talent um, with with huge potential. Uh, what do you think his best position is in the front? Would it be out and out striker or would it be further on the uh, side of the wing? Mm, what, what do you think? I would say second striker. I think between probably between a number 10 and an out and out centre forward. Um, so you could, you've kind of got someone to sort of. I think if that you've got a another ten sort of knit next to him, you've got someone to sort of link up with. But I think you want him to have that freedom to sometimes drop in and link play with the midfield, and sometimes stretch the line and go beyond the main striker. Um, I don't think you want to pigeonhole him too much because he's you know he's at his best when uh, he's got that freedom really. But he's someone who can do things out of nothing. I saw him against Morecambe for Wimbledon last season and although it was quite a quiet game for him generally there was just this moment where out of nothing he hit this belt of a shot and hit the bar and I think he just is capable of just those moments of genius as well so yeah really exciting player but I'm not sure he's quite ready for the championship so I wouldn't say he's completely beyond Portsmouth. No that's good to hear actually because I think we've seen a lot of young players take that jump straight from League 2 to the championship and it's hard to turn down isn't it because because mm. because of potentially the money there, and if there's a direct route into the first team, especially for a championship club, I think a lot of League Two youngsters would snap their hand off. Obviously, but I have seen many of them go to championship teams, not get the opportunities that they probably should do, and sort of have a few seasons floundering a bit. So, but I really rate Ubisal. I think a lot of uh, EFL pundits really rate him as well. If Pompey mm. was somehow in the mix, I think that's it fits the philosophy that they're looking after. And it fits many things, I think. So Ubisal is definitely a name to keep in mind in January and in the summer as well. Have you got any more wingers, Gabe, or should we move on to... Um, yeah, I'm, so let me have a little look at the list I sent you. There's Dara Costello at Burnley, who... Um, I think can play as an uh, centre-forward, but he'd be a very sort of um, energetic, hard-working winger. Um, on loan potentially because I'm not sure if he's getting it you know they've got Manuel Benson at Burnley who plays in his position who's been having a really good season so maybe they want to send him out on loan Joseph Hungpo at Watford I've, I've been quite a big fan of for a few seasons he's a very tricky quick winger 
I'm not quite sure what their plan is for him. He'd certainly be of interest. Now, Malcolm Ebiowe uh, was a derby last season. He's a really good ball carrier, left-footed. Got a little bit of an edge about him as well. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was going to go to Hull, whether he actually is now. Um, but I think he'd be a loan option, possibly, if they wanted him to get uh, regular football. So, yeah, those would be my uh, suggestions. Dara Costello, Joseph Hungbo and Malcolm Ebiowe, depending which of those are available. I really, I've seen Ebioa play a fair bit for Derby in that season. I really liked him. Uh, I believe he's a Crystal, mm. Crystal Palace at the moment, isn't he? From yes, the, yeah. Yes. But then, oh no, hang on. Yes, so so maybe he's on. Yeah, so maybe he wouldn't be available. But then, yeah, so Costello or Hungpo would be would be my one. So yeah, I don't think he's gone to Hull permanently. So yes, so so it'd be the other thing. We're going to move on to striker because Poppy are in a bit of a strange situation with their striker. Obviously, Colby Bishop's the number one brought in in the summer. Even though there's been problems for service for a lot of the season, he's banging in his goals. I think 11 goals this season in the league off the top of my head. The other strikers have been cold. Uh, it's been quite obvious for a while, even before a sacking, that Danny Caldy really didn't like rate Joe Piggott that much. I think it's mainly due to his pace. He had a few games linking with with Coy Bishop quite well, but it's been in and out of the team way too much. To well, well, I, I felt actually, Freddie, when uh, when uh, Joe Pickett signed, I felt like it wouldn't work with him and Colby Bishop as a partnership because I wouldn't really think either would be capable of stretching the line and going in beyond. And it feels like possibly that's been part of the issue with Pickett. And obviously, Colby Bishop has probably found better form this season than uh, than Pickett. Yeah, yeah, and I think Danny Cowley's been reluctant to bring about that partnership, apart from probably a few times at the start of the season. There's obviously Dane Scarlett as well. He came in with a, a lot of promise, sort of forced his way into the team, had that excellent game against Peterborough where he scored two goals, wicked striker, very instinctive with his runs in between the defenders, which has caught a lot of eyes. But as the performances have dropped for other players as well, and as the service in midfield dried up, he's been quite anonymous in a lot of times and has often looked like a Premier League young boy who's going through growing pains in the Football League, which many Pompey fans would argue, well, if we want promotion, why are we taking gambles on that? Why are we going down the mm. loan market where we're sort of going through a player who we don't own and an asset we don't have going through those growing pains? So they would be a lot more patient if it was, for example, a Pompey youngster going through that, for example. So really, this attacker, really, that many fans are wanting, not necessarily the most prolific striker, but someone who can come in if Colby Bishop is either struggling for fitness or just out of form, perhaps someone who can link well with other attackers as well. I was wondering which strikers on your list, Gabe, sort of fit that mould. Yeah, there's a few. I mean, I think we kind of go back to it where signing players in January is so difficult. And I've kind of put Alfie May and Ben House on this list, but I'm not. I'm not confident at all that you know, these will be doable or whether the clubs will be willing to sell. I think for Alfie May, he's uh, 28 or 29 now. And this could be one of the last couple of windows where he's available for, you know, a good six figure fee for Cheltenham. So it's possible that they may want to cash in, even though he is actually only out of contract in 2024. And again, I really like Alfie May just because top goal, one top goal scorers in League One last season. Incredible energy, presses really well, great link-up play. And I could see him sort of combining very nicely with Colby Bishop. Then Ben House, I don't know. I mean, whether it, he'd be sort of more similar to Bishop, I guess. But his link-up play, again, is really good. Um, good 
focal point as well if he gives the ball to his chest and feet. So yeah, I like Ben House from from that perspective. So those will be a couple of suggestions. But actually, for whatever reason, I found it quite difficult to find uh, find strikers. And obviously, the best ones will be at clubs that, that probably want to keep hold of them. And um, and obviously, that's a, that's a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. You very rarely see big strikers moving in January because re- really a lot of clubs, if they're performing well, they don't want to let them go. And a lot of the strikers that are available are ones that their clubs possibly don't want to were possibly trying to get rid of in the summer. Yeah. It's a or, very... or sometimes you, you take a chance on a loan deal as well and you never quite know how uh, how that's going to go. So you don't always get it right, for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Alfie May seems to fit on a scheme basis because really it's a striker with pace and link-up play that I think would work perhaps alongside a goal scorer, potentially in a pair or at the right or the left of a three in a three four three, perhaps. We well, you, you say that, but Alfie May did score twenty three mm. goals last mm. season as well. So, you know, he, he has got it in him. Absolutely. One player, I'm gonna get stick for this because it's going back to Ipswich Town spares. Caden Jackson barely played for Ipswich at all this season, struggled for game time a fair bit, and also they brought in George Hurst in January. Mm. There's so many, uh, it's got so many options up front that really do you see Caden Jackson even playing? It, well, it's so interesting. I actually tweeted this yesterday saying, Ipswich fans, do you think Caden Jackson could be offloaded? Now they've got, what, four strikers, is it? Something, certainly at least that. And only, they only play with one out and out striker. They actually play with, yeah, sort of a four, two, three, one. So it's, they've got Hurst, they've got Broadhead and, um, and Freddie Lenapa, of course. And that's um, what I yeah, and Gasana Hedman, of course, yeah. Uh, so that's a lot, isn't it? But um, Caden Jackson also covers for Wes Burns, whether it's sometimes playing right wing back or uh, when they play with the back four sort of on the right wing. But yeah, so so whether they think he'll play more that role as opposed to as an out-and-out striker, we'll, we'll have to see. Maybe they'd have to bring in another sort of right-sided player before they let Caden Jackson go. But I can see why he's been uh, he's been mentioned. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one because obviously it's just given one of the attackers that they really don't want already. So it'd be pretty strange to do the same thing. But I, I just looked at the fact that he's barely played any minutes. And, I thought, and I've seen him a few times in the league over the last few seasons and thought, he's useful. I don't know. I, I, I just assumed mm. he'd be playing more uh, for various yeah. reasons. But yeah. Um, one player who a friend of the show, Joff Taylor, liked, currently plays for Clue Alexandra, uh, Dan Adji. Joff described mm. it, him as a direct runner who could play in a free. Has had very high dribble, dribbling rating last season for carries, but not not mass- massively clinical. But has overperformed his expected goals this season. What would you think of that? Yeah, I, I, that wouldn't be one I would go with. I can see why Joff liked him because you know there's been times where he's looked pretty pretty handy for Oxford. I think it was actually against Portsmouth in the playoff semi final, wasn't it? A few, few seasons ago. But I'm just not sure I would fancy it because I don't think he's good enough. He's about 26, 27 now, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think he's good enough where you could say this lad's going to absolutely transform Portsmouth's fortunes this season. And I don't think he's good enough to say this is a really high potential prospect who could go on to play in the Championship or the Premier League. And while Portsmouth do have needs in this window, I think that it's really important that the recruitment team stay focused on, is this player good enough to transform our fortunes this season? Or is this player good enough to become a huge asset? And if if they don't tick either box and you still bring them in, then I think you're sort of, you start to ask questions as to the direction you're going as a football club. 
And I think you've got to be really careful of that. So for me, I probably wouldn't go with Dan Ajayi. I think you've got to, um, you've got to be very careful about the, the standard of players that you, you bring in. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely a really tough one, isn't it? Because again, like with the Towler signing, you look at him as a prospect and you go, there's space to grow there, even if they're not directly going to be into the league one fold already. And it definitely ticks that box. But also the recruitment team is looking at the tick of the box of, hey, we want to try and get promoted this season. That's what we keep hearing. So if, mm. so if looking at players that are decent with some data who are not there, that it's going to be a really tough one. I'm going to bring up another obvious name who might be out of reach, probably in January anyway, and probably in the summer. But to go to the conference for this one, Macaulay Langstaff from Notts County, obviously a prolific goal scorer, 23 goals, 26 games in the conference from 20.79 expected goals. Could score multiple type of goals. Is a very, very reasonable dribbler as well. Not exactly just a, a touch and play striker. Fairly creative as well. Seems like a complete forward to me. Do you know how old he is? Sorry. Did you 25. Say? 25. Okay. So he's mm. entering his prime really at this point. Yeah. Mm. I think I'm, I'm. A little bit reluctant to, uh, and I'm going to be a little bit picky here. I'm reluctant to go for a player from two divisions below who's mid twenties. I think that uh, if you go for someone who's high potential, so up to about the age of 22, 23, I can kind of understand it. But I think that if you go for a peak age player that's two divisions below, then the risk that you run is that they're not in a position where they're going to give themselves the best chance of improving because as much as they might have been fantastic in the National League, and Langstaff's goal record is absolutely incredible, I think, again, it comes back to it. You've got to be very focused on the standard of player, the potential of player that you bring into the football club. And... And I think that, you know, there might be a need for Portsmouth to bring in a striker, but it's got to be, yeah, it's got to be the right quality. And I'm not sure that McCoy Langstaff has, is going to have the potential to go on and um, have a few seasons in the championship or beyond. And I think that's where Portsmouth have got to be looking at. I found striker to be probably the hardest position. It's, it's very hard, these, isn't it? Yeah. Especially, especially in January, because like we said earlier, a lot of the good strikers are staying at their clubs. A lot of the strikers that nobody wants are available because, well, nobody wants them. So from the list that we have, I struggled to potentially come up with ones, even who are are behind. It it was strange, even last January, I remember a lot of people were very dismissive of Aidan O'Brien, look at him going, oh, really? Because looking at his previous record, then he came in and sort of did very well on a bounce. But then again, he wasn't a player to move on with Portsmouth. I think Portsmouth just wanted him for six months to fill a need rather than build mm. a squad on top. And I think that if you if Portsmouth are going to try to move towards this model where you want a kind of conveyor belt where you bring players in before they're quite ready to be absolutely top level, but just kind of cooking underneath your first choice and then your first choice moves on and then this player steps up and then you bring in someone else to sort of be underneath. I think then you've got to be very careful about bringing in backup players who are just kind of in their late 20s or 30s because then you actually undermine the model. So, and again, I think I come back to it. Portsmouth have got to be very clear about what they want to do as a football club as well. And if they want to try and develop players, then they've got to make certain decisions in terms of the squad building that see in alignment with that model and, and that vision. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Again, it has to be much clearer than I think it is already. I think we'll get more of an idea when the new manager comes in. 
to fit in with uh, Richard Hughes, director of football, because even though he's got a lot of license already, we've seen that he signed a player already in January without a manager. I think it has to line up with what the manager would want as well. Get a clear direction, which we've not had for a while. Well, thank you so much, Gabe, for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure as always. We've gone through many names there and hopefully Portsmouth have a very good January. Uh, Last question, how do you think Pompey's season will go sitting here right now? I think that... In terms of League One, I think that you're looking at two from three for automatic promotion, and then one of those teams will finish in the playoffs. I think Barnsley and Derby are looking good for the playoffs. So for me, I think that you've got one playoff spice potentially up for grab, just because I rate Barnsley and Derby from what I've seen of them recently, especially quite highly. And then you're looking at Bolton, Wickham, Peterborough have dropped off a lot. But are one of those, you know, is Bolton or Wickham going to drop off enough to give Portsmouth a chance? Can Portsmouth take it into their own hand? It feels like a long way off at the moment, but it's worth bearing in mind that you are, uh, you have got three games in hand on Bolton and Wickham, seven points off Wickham, uh, 10 points off Bolton, and you win those three games in hand, all of a sudden it changes and um, I think you've got to play a couple of the playoff rivals in the next month or two. So that's going to tell us uh, tell us a lot about what Portsmouth can do for the rest of the season. I think the, those games in hand do offer some hope, but at the same time, I would just I'm just concerned by not only the if Portsmouth were, had won one in fourteen league games and the performances hadn't be bad and you played some really big teams and obviously the injuries coming into it anyway, but you'd been really unlucky. And you'd felt like you were close to putting another good run of form together. I would have felt like the playoffs aren't beyond you. But it's the nature of the performances, the MK Dons, um, one or two in the, that mix as well, where you just haven't played to uh, Charlton at home, just haven't played to the level. And uh, that will be a big concern for me. So I think Portsmouth will, I said Portsmouth would get into the playoffs before the season, but unfortunately I'm going to have to go back on that one because because uh, I'm struggling to see it right now. You're not the only one, Gabe. You're not, you're not the only one looking to next season already, to be honest. Um, I think just the, the drop-off has been too severe. And I think for any manager to come in, I think you're asking an awful lot to turn the players around. And even with bringing in new faces in January, to turn it around and then finish in the last playoff spot, it's going to be just a monumental Freddie, have we got time for a quick manager chat? Because I'm really intrigued to put your brains on who you want as uh, as next manager. We went through this on the last show, and my opinion changes all the time, to be honest, because initially, initially I was very intrigued by Liam Richardson, but he ruled himself out recently due to the compensation deal at Wigan. At the moment, it's looking like Liam Manning, not, ba- mm. not based on anything that I've come out with, but um, based on the betting markets, the fact that he knows Andy Cullen, the fact that they're potentially going for a head coach and a director of football role, I think they're really going into that. So bringing in somebody, say, Chris Wilder or a Lee Bowyer, seems too far away from the director of football model because I think they would clash mm. with directors of football for a start. It seems like at the moment that Manning is the only obvious name that's coming up. I, I do. I would be lying if I said I hadn't gone off Liam Manning a lot because of what's happened this season and the fact that he left MK Dons in the relegation zone after half a season. I think that's got to be hugely significant. 
Um, and that would be a bit of a worry for me. Now, would I have preferred to take a chance on an unknown under-23s coach or someone who's worked in the Premier League over Liam Manning? I, I don't know, possibly. But then I think the other thing you've got to balance with that, Freddie, is, you know, this is a, a, a Portsmouth support that is going to value someone that gets competitive football. And I think if you go down the under-23s route, then someone who's kind of got, has an experience senior management, I think that could be an issue because there is a certain level of heat at Fratton Park in a way that, doesn't and that could be a hugely positive thing, by the way, but it can also mean that you need a certain characteristics from a manager to sort of make that work for you, which is why I would like the idea of Richie Wellens at Leighton Orient, but I don't know if he'd be available mid season because of that opportunity to win a title this season. And then who do you go, you know, and then that opens up a a period where you'd need someone short term and so it's a difficult one I don't know what the answer is but I think it's going to be a hugely important appointment that Portsmouth have got to get right yeah absolutely it's, a, it's an integral appointment I, I really don't think they will go down the short term route I don't think they'll bring in a name until the end of the season I think they just want a name to build a vision around and out of just all the people that are there Liam Manning's the only one left the arguments for and against I like to style at football at MK Dons, but then again, this season, that team crashed. They didn't replace their best players and he couldn't get a tune out of the players he had. It's a bit of a worry, to mm. be honest. Yeah. And there's a slight, there's a theory. And again, this, I feel a little bit conscious of saying this because it's, it is so hindsight and outcome driven, but you do wonder how much of the style of football at MK Dons was down to Russ Martin and the foundations he laid the year before, as opposed to, Liam Manning I think there is an argument around that which has a little bit more credence based on what's happened this season so I from a mutual perspective I would struggle to get hugely hugely excited about the Liam Manning appointment for uh, that's just my gut feeling on it um that's not to say that you know he did manage MK Dons to 89 points last season which is a huge hugely impressive tally and he obviously deserves a lot of credit for that but I'm just not I'm not quite sure about it but I, I acknowledge it's a difficult appointment to get right, but really important one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with the names that have ruled themselves out already, I think it's there just aren't many names out there really because it was a strange mm. one. I think they had they had to twist the Cowleys to a certain extent. They said they were ruthless and they said they wanted promotion, but then again, looking at the the names available in January, not not a lot of them. I'm jumped yeah. out at me. I mean, I, I, I don't watch Portsmouth every other week at Fratton Park and travel home in a way. And I'm incredibly conscious that, you know, some of the performances in the last stage of the Cowley Brothers tenure had dropped off a lot. At the same time, I do rate them quite honestly. I know that, you know, this looks a bit, a little bit like cronyism because I have interviewed, uh, Danny previously, but, uh, Truthfully, from from the heart, I do think that he is a. Re- they are a really good management team, and they'll go on to do so well somewhere else. Now, it's not for me to say that Portsmouth have made the wrong decision. If Portsmouth fans have been watching the uh, you know, some of the performances, like Charlton and MK Dons at home recently, and and felt like a change was needed in order to meet their ambitions, and I I understand that and the cutthroat nature of football, but. You, at the same time, I think that it's going to be difficult to find a, a manager in um, uh, in the current market that I would rate higher. And um, that I'm not sure it's a decision that I would have made, but also um, I respect the position that, that they were put into, of course. I've had to round it off. I think most Portsmouth fans are very sad that it didn't work out. 
but the vast majority of them agreed with the decision ultimately, purely just down to the performances dropping off a cliff like they did. Mm. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Gabe. Uh, tell the listeners where they can find you on social media and what you're going to be doing for the rest of the season. Sure. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at Gabsa and I uh, tweet sort of conversation starters that could, uh, that are relevant to all sort of EFL clubs where lots of people sort of chip in to chat about their team and, you know, top players and positions and where they need to strengthen and all the rest of it. And, uh, pretty much daily conversations there on my Twitter account at Gabsa. And so you can follow me there. I also have a show called EFL debate where I'm talking to fans of the, in the championship league one and league two. And I'm also getting a few managers on the show as well. So you can follow me on Twitter at Gab Sutton and follow the hashtag EFL debate. Lovely. Uh, we'll keep on on that for the rest of the season as well. Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. And until next time, play at Pompey. You have been listening to the PO forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!